This is from the uh, letter of Colossians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of, in the, word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known, us, made known to us your love in the Spirit. Father, thank you for calling us here this morning. Thank you for doing a powerful work in us. Thank you for always working in us even when we can't feel it. We can't experience it. It doesn't make it less true. Lord, thanks for taking care of us in all the ways that we need taken care of and and for being with us from now until eternity. So Lord, we ask that you would continue to work as we continue to worship, as we look at your word to us. And we ask that you would keep your word, that you would never leave us unchanged, Lord, that your word would never return void. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. So there's this man who lives in Montana. He builds beautiful, ornate log cabins by hand. And he is somebody who came across, he came along in that trade through his family. He's like the, the fifth generation of these master builders. And their ancestors before them brought them along, taught them how to build these cabins. And he's got a three-year-old son. And when his son was, was three, he began to come out with him to the work site. He began to help his dad build the cabins. And so his dad would give him a hammer and he would nail things in random places and carry things and measure things with his little tape measure. And so over the years, he would come along with him to all these job sites where his dad was building the cabin. And his dad would give him these little responsibilities. And as he grew, he got more responsibilities. And every step of the way, he would make mistakes. But his dad knew exactly what he was doing. And he never put him in a situation where the mistakes that he was capable of making put his life or the cabin's well-being in danger. He was with him all the way. So again, as he grew, he began to get more and more responsibility. And then by the end of this whole process, he's an adult himself. He, he has learned from the master builder how to build these cabins. And he is building them too. And he's learned everything that he needs to know. And, and so all along the way, there have been a ton of mistakes, a ton of, a ton of issues. But um, this, his well-being, his, his moving into this ability to be a master builder was never in question. Because he was always with his father. His father was always watching out for him, always taking care of him, always setting the scene. And so that's what we're talking about at this fall. We're talking about maturing in Christ. We're looking at Colossians to do that. And this is what Paul is talking about with this church in Colossae. He's talking to them about maturing in Christ. And there are issues, and, and we'll get into those issues that are happening in the church. There are things that are going on that are not okay, that are, are not healthy for them. And Paul is going to address these things, but he is very careful to lay a firm foundation from the very beginning that all of this 
is in the Father's hands. All of this is going to be okay. And this is, when I speak these words from God to you that you need to hear, and some of these words are hard, it's all in the context of love and security because it's all good because you are with your Father. And so that's where we're going this morning. And I want to talk to you about three observations this morning. One from our passage. The first is what I'm going to call confident gratitude. Confident gratitude. The second is what I'm going to call the maturity flow rider. Don't act like you don't know what that means. The maturity flow rider. We'll explain that. And then the third, third observation I want to share with you from this is the power of the ordinary. And so we're going to start with, with this idea of confident gratitude. Paul begins this letter to these people that he's, he's never even met. And he begins this letter with confident gratitude for these people. And Paul is saying, it is right for me to thank God for this finished work that he has already accomplished in these people that I can't see yet. None of us have experienced it yet. But remember, God operates outside of time and space. And so in a very real sense, it is already finished. And I want you to hear this for those of you who are in Christ, for those of you who are trusting in Jesus Christ alone for your life and your salvation. I want you to hear this because Paul is saying this to you too. And it's very, very important for us to live in this reality. He calls them saints. He says, you are saints. That means you are ones that God has called out by name and brought to himself. God has said, you are mine. You are now mine. You are in my family. And he says, you are saints in Christ. That little phrase, in Christ, is so powerful. Because when Paul says, in Christ, he is sharing the gospel. He is saying, in order for us to be brought back into reconciliation and into the family of God, to be with God as we were created to be, Jesus had to come and take our place and take the wrath that was for us, for our sin against God, for our rebellion from God, and take that upon himself, and he did. And God accepted that sacrifice, and we know that because Jesus was raised from the dead. And now, if you are in Christ, God sees you the same way that he sees his son. Perfect, perfectly united to the Lord, even when you don't feel like it. And so Paul is saying, you are saints. God has brought you to himself. You are in Christ. The work that is necessary for you to be brought back to the Lord is complete. You are secure in Christ. And then he says, grace and peace. Anything that is about to come my way in this letter from me to you, from the Lord to you, any hard words that I have to say, they are in this ocean of grace and peace that you are constantly swimming in, in Christ. Grace, N.T. Wright says this about grace. He says that Christian life and growth as a free gift from God, that's grace. That everything that we need, everything that will happen in our life, everything that God is doing to mature us in Christ, to bring us to Christ, is all his work. It's all grace. We didn't merit it. We can't do it. We can't accomplish it. It's all grace. And peace. You have peace. 
And think about that. Whatever you came in here with, whatever anxiety, whatever sin that you can't seem to shake, whatever, whatever disappointment, whatever it is, peace. You have peace in your heavenly Father. You have peace in Christ. We were on a, an elder retreat this weekend. We were at this beautiful cabin, and my favorite part about this place was this big dining table that sat 12 people. And we had this amazing food. And I just love thinking about mountain weekends in the fall anyway, just in general. But it's like this idea of the grace and peace that is ours in Christ is this idea of like walking into a cabin like that and seeing the table full except for one empty seat and they're just waiting for you. And it's full of people that you love, family and friends that are so life-giving and the table is set with this amazing meal, and you walk in the door and they say, hey, now we can start. And it's just the safety and the life and the health and the fullness of that whole experience. And that's what Paul is saying to these people, and that's what he's saying to us, is whatever is going on in your life, grace and peace, remember that. Remember that your heavenly Father is good and powerful. And he has already accomplished everything that is necessary for you. So I can thank him for the finished work in your lives, even though we can't see it yet. Because it does not depend on you. It depends on him, and he has already finished it. So I want y'all to, to give me a, a verbal answer here. When a parent is, is loving a child, is, is it ever loving to discipline a child? Yes. The parents in the room are like, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Why? Because discipline administered rightly is the, out of love for the good of that child. What you are doing, what you are believing, what you are practicing, or your ignorance, what you don't know, is going to hurt you. And so when you disobey, it might be painful, the discipline that I administer, but it is for your good because I love you. I want to lead you into life. I'll lead you away from things that are taking away that life, taking away that freedom, taking away that flourishing. And that's what, that's what is going on in this letter. It's like, God loves you. That's what's going on in our lives. And there are times that that love, we're going to experience it as discipline, but it is always good. It is always loving, and it never threatens your relationship with God as a child of God. And it never threatens the way that, that God thinks about you or loves you. That's never on the table. It never has to cause us to worry, will this, will this be completed? Will everything be okay? Yes, absolutely, it's already done. And so Philippians 1.6, another place where Paul says this very strongly I am sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion because of who he is. It is already finished. And that's how Paul, I mean, think about it. Think about Paul and the, just the experiences that we know about from his life. He was stoned almost to death multiple times. He's thrown in jail. A lot of the letters that he's written that are part of scripture now are written from jail. He's always running around having to put out fires like, hey, we got this church going and now a bunch of crazy stuff's going on over there. But he was always thanking God. 
always thanking God because he was sure of the things that he couldn't see yet because of God's character, not because of his ability to, to take care of business, but because of who God was. So it's like going back to the, the kid and the, the illustration that we started with. You know, when, when you got this little boy and he's hammering nails all over the place and jacking things up, like, we need to talk about it, but that cabin is going to be built and it's going to be just fine. And that, that boy is going to make it. He's going to survive. It's just part of the process. It's just a, a growing opportunity. So what does this mean for us? What, what effect does this have on my life? Well, I think, I'm going to go ahead and say, I was going to say most of us, all of us have a gratitude problem. And most of us live in and out of a gratitude problem all the time. It is so easy for me to go through my days and my weeks only focusing on what I don't have. Or a situation that I care a lot about that is not, has not been determined. I haven't been able to see the outcome yet. So I'm always constantly worrying about that situation out in the future. Or just what's not perfect. Maybe we're 90% of the way there. I want to talk about the 10% that's not okay. But it's so easy to focus on the negative and the unknown and to live in this place of worry and anxiety and to forget that we are miles and miles away from what Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior, said, my peace I give to you. You live in peace. Everything's okay. And we're like, that's not our daily experience. He's like, yeah, because this gratitude problem is exposing a deeper problem. When I have a gratitude problem, what I really have is a pride and unbelief problem. I believe that it's in my capacity and my responsibility to control things, that I can make things happen, that it's up to me, that it's all on my shoulders. And that's why I carry around this weight and this burden. And when people ask, how are you doing? I always say, I'm tired. Well, yeah, of course you are. But I also believe that I need to be that way because I don't believe that I have a heavenly father who has already worked everything out and who is with me all the time. And that's, that's what is being exposed in my gratitude problem. But it really changes things when I can start thanking God for the things that I know are true that I can't see yet. That shapes and changes and transforms the way that I experience my entire reality. Like if you don't know this, we are getting ready to plant a church out of 12 South. A year from today is when we're hoping to have our first worship service. And so as a church planter, I can enter into that in two different ways. I can stand over here and feel like it's all on my shoulders and there are a whole lot of unknowns. We don't know exactly where we're going yet. We don't know who's gonna go with us. We don't know how this thing's gonna work out. And I can live in anxiety until all of that comes to pass, which sounds like a really fun way to live. Or I can live over here, living in the reality of being able to already thank God for the finished work that he has done in this church plant and say, Lord, you already know where we are gonna meet you already know who is going to come with us, and you already know how all of this stuff is going to work out. Thank you for making it a reality, 
And thank you for, in your infinite wisdom, deciding to tell us, just reveal it to us in your timing. Like, I don't know, not because it might not happen. I don't know because you've decided it's not the right time to reveal that yet. But don't worry, it's, we got it. I've got this. And this, this gratitude frees me from self-focus. Okay, so it's this finished work, but how is God working this out in real time in our lives? And that's what Paul's talking about in verses four and five here, um, what I'm calling the maturity flow rider of, of faith, hope, and love. I'm gonna explain what that is if you can throw the picture up. Have you guys ever been to, have you been to the Soundwaves water park yet? Anybody? You guys been? Okay, two people, great. That always happens. What do y'all do? God. Um, anyway, there are these things called water parks. And at this particular water park, there's this thing called the flow rider. And it's just shooting jets of water up, up this ramp. And the water is just constantly flowing. And it's really funny to watch people fall down because when they fall down, they just get caught in the jet stream and it just shoots them back to the back of this thing that's like this padded back and they just get shot back there and then they run, grab their board again and, and try it again. But a couple of things, the, the reason we're talking about this, a couple of things I want you to, to get. One is even when you fall down, you don't leave the flow rider. You're still in the water. You're just not riding the board in the flow but you never leave the water and you're not the one that's making this thing go. You're just figuring out where to stand and put yourself. Okay, so this thing that God is doing inside of us is, is a lot like that. It's this, um, for Avenger fans, Iron Man, he's got this thing in his chest, this reactor and all the scientists in the room just nod along with me and pretend like what I'm saying is true. So what a reactor is, in my mind, is <laughs> where you have these things and you put them in this powerful reactor and <laughs> they just react. They just, you get them spinning together and power is generated from getting these elements in, in this machine that is pushing them together it's in, it's in the books, just trust me. So this, this maturity flow rider, this reactor that God is working out in our lives, it's, it's these three things that are constantly working together. Faith, hope, and love. Don't, don't fact check me on what a reactor is. You'll be disappointed. Um, Okay, so Paul is talking about this relationship between these three things here. Faith, we, we all know what faith is. It's, it's this understanding a concept and believing it to be true and then depending on it, leaning into it. So for instance, easy example, I have the deed to my house. I have the deed to my house, so I have faith in the fact that I own this house. So I can start painting the walls and moving furniture into it and I don't have to worry about people coming in every day saying, hey, that's actually my house, man. You gotta get out of there. No, I have faith that what this deed is telling me is true. 
And so God tells us something really important. Faith is not something that we have to work up. Faith, uh, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, faith is a gift. It is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. So even faith is a gift. That's our starting point. And then when you believe that the gospel is true, when you believe that the good news of the grace of God through Jesus is true, then you also believe what he says about what's coming, which is for those of us who are in Christ, you do not have to worry. And all of your desires, all of these, the weight of your desires for an abundant life and to be fully human and to experience flourishing and to get away from sin and death, all of that stuff has been put in there for a reason because it is going to be coming true one day. It's not today. But there is, you have a hope that is, he says, is laid up for you in heaven, this eternal hope. And the, the fact that it is laid up means that it has been fixed and established forever. It is firmly fixed. It is not diminishing at all. You don't have to worry about it. Think Harry Potter going down to his account at Green Gott's Bank down in the deep caves. Like there are weird goblins guarding that thing. Nobody's getting it. It's there for you untouched until you get there to enjoy it. That is this hope that we have in Christ is that we have this eternal hope that is not wavering. It's already been completed. And so when, when we believe the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit, now we have this hope. And when, when I really live in this hope, that changes things. When, when you find out that you've inherited this fortune, you don't worry about the same things that you used to worry about. You can buy the good peanut butter, okay? <laughs> like you're a multi-trillionaire. Go ahead and splurge. It changes how you live. It changes how you think about things. It changes the way that you interact with other people. And what, it, what is happening when I believe the truth of the gospel and what God's done for me and what that means for my future, then I am freed up for the first time ever to stop worrying about myself because I'm okay. And now I can look around and look at other people, the people in my life that God's put around my life and to say, wow, I've been loved like this. That's an amazing love. I'm, I love God now. And I love the things that he loves, which are this world and people. And so in my loving him and in my loving these people in my life, I, you know, think about love. We could define love a lot of different ways. I want you to think about it in terms of this, the word attention. Whatever I love, I pay attention to. And I attend to it. If I care about someone or something, I'm paying attention to it. I'm studying it. I become a student of it. And when I sense that there's something wrong or unhealthy or bad that I could potentially help take care of, I attend to it. That's what, that's what love is. And so this hope produces this love. And it doesn't end there. It's, it's a completed circle because that love is, is new. And when you begin to live in a, into that love, it changes you. And when I see myself being changed by the Holy Spirit, I'll give you an example. The other day, my wife and I had a, an argument. It happens. And my response to her in that argument was so different. We've been married for a little over six years. It was so different than it would have been in our first year of marriage. And I realized that in the moment. And it was this beautiful opportunity 
to literally worship in the midst of this argument because I could say, wow, I would not have been able to say that. I would not have been able to hear that six years ago. This is real. Like, Lord, you are doing something in my life. You are changing me. And guess what? I wasn't the only person that noticed that. She noticed that. And so when I experience that love in myself, that builds my faith. When I experience that love in other people, that builds my faith because I'm like, wow, you could not do that yourself. The Holy Spirit is working in you. He is working in me. And that increases my faith, which increases my hope, which increases my love. And it's just this deepening, infinite cycle. And that is how the Lord is maturing us. And the amazing thing about all of that is that we don't have to do any of that. That is all the work of the Holy Spirit. All of that is the work of the Holy Spirit. And what happens, he says here, it's, it's not just for you and the people that are around you. He tells the Colossians, this hope that you are believing in that's led to this love, this gospel that it springs from, is bearing fruit and increasing all over the world. This thing is, is bearing fruit and increasing everywhere. In our culture right now, there's a, a huge cry for the equality and unity and dignity of every person, regardless of gender, regardless of race. There's this, this desire, and it's being expressed in a lot of different ways, but what's true about all this is that the, the culture the cultural approach to this, which is this shallow facade of shoulds and shaming and outrage and loving certain people by expressing hate for certain other people, like that is, is, can only be shallow. That can only stay in the land of shoulds and shame. You should care about this person. You should care about this group of people. But y'all, the gospel is the only thing powerful enough. This maturity reactor is the only thing powerful enough in the world to actually accomplish that. To actually create a love in me for all peoples, regardless of race, gender, nationality, whatever. The gospel is the only thing that can actually change my heart and not just lead to behavior modification of, oh, I need to care about this so that my company doesn't tank or so that my friends don't ostracize me. But that's getting, that's, if I'm living in the land of shoulds, then that reveals that my heart is not changed. The gospel is the only thing that is powerful enough to do what we all know <laughs> is the right thing to do, which is that everyone was created in the image of God. Everyone does have intrinsic dignity and worth. But it is, it is the gospel alone that can do that work. Paul says in the last verse of our passage here in verse eight, that he's, he has heard from Epaphras of their love in the spirit. It is not a love that they have manufactured. It is not a love that anyone can manufacture. It is evidence of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. So important question for us coming out of this observation is 
What do you do when, if you are someone who is in Christ, what do you do when you don't feel that kind of love for God or for other people? What do you do when you don't have that faith in the truth of the gospel? What do you do when your hope is sliding around in some other place? What do you do when you are tempted to put your hope in Tennessee football (laughs) and it breaks your heart every week? What do you do with that? Well, if you're like me and you're like most of us, it's a, it's a place to, you're tempted to go to a place of shame. Oh, I should, I should be feeling better. I, I should love, be able to love more. I should not be doing this anymore. I should put my hope in the gospel. And then you, you try to manufacture that. And, and y'all, that's a trap that is leading to this downward spiral. Nothing healthy comes from that because you don't have the power to do that. Go back to the flow rider illustration. Like you don't have to make the water go. And no matter what you experience, no matter how discouraged you are, no matter if you were on your back and you've been shot to the back of that thing, you're still in it, okay? You never leave it. So all you gotta do is get back up and get your board and walk down to the front again and just figure out how to just stay in what's already there. So what does that look like, practically speaking, when you find yourself in that place? It looks like naming it and confessing it to the Lord, the only one who can do something about it, and saying, Lord, here's what I'm seeing in myself. Will you change this in me? Will you give me a deeper love? Will you, will you give me a, open my eyes to give me a more firm faith in what is true, even when I can't see it? And watch for him to do that work because you can't do that work. And he will, he is so faithful to do that. He will always, always do that. And I think a very important thing too is when you feel those moments of shame, that is, the evil one loves that because he wants to get you in this place of figuring out like, oh man, is this even real? Is it, am I really in Christ? I should be better, I should this, I should that. Maybe God doesn't love me as much. Maybe he's tired of messing with me. I want y'all to, to see those moments in a new way from now on. I want you to thank God for those moments. Why? Because they are also evidence of this maturity reactor that's working in you. Because guess what? A few years ago, it wouldn't have bothered you so much. But God is changing you. And that is all part of the process. He is changing you He is giving you a new heart that is is softer. And this stuff bothers you more because you are growing in Christ. So you don't ever, ever have to despair. So he's got this thing, this this work is gonna be accomplished. He's accomplishing it. He's working it out in us without us having to do it. So, So where does that leave us? He invites us to turn this power loose. What do I mean by that? That's our, our third observation is, is what I'm calling the power of the ordinary. This gospel, he says, this gospel has come to you. God has seen fit for the Colossians and for all of you. Why? Because you're sitting in this room to bring the gospel to you, this invitation to live life with him. So how has he done this? How is he doing this supernatural work? 
in a very ordinary, boring way, this regular dude named Epaphras. He is a guy who has heard the gospel probably from Paul, and this reactor started working in him, produced this love for his neighbors and his friends, and he just took the message to them. And he said, hey, I've got something I wanna share with you. I've got something I wanna sit with you and teach you. Because Paul talks about you heard, the, you heard the gospel from him and you were taught the gospel from him. So it's this ongoing thing. It's not this, this one-shot deal and we're done. It's you were regularly meeting with him and he was explaining to you the truth of the gospel over time. And, and over time, the Holy Spirit was doing something powerful and mysterious in the midst of something that felt very ordinary. Uh, a, a mentor of mine always says, just remember that God loves ordinary things. That's why there's so much of them. He said, what I want to do, my plan for getting this gospel message out that is going to transform lives and transform the world is through people, imperfect people, sharing the gospel imperfectly with each other. That is, that is how we're going to do this. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 3, 5. God supplies the spirit to you and works miracles of his power in your midst by hearing the gospel in faith. That is the mechanism by which the Holy Spirit is doing mighty and powerful stuff. Um, throw out that picture of the redwood. So I'm sure most of y'all have seen pictures of redwood trees like this. And you just see how extremely gigantic these trees are. The amazing thing is that the seed for these trees is like this big and you have to do, no. The seed for these trees is the same size as the seed of any other tree. It's like this big. And you put that thing in the ground and nature just takes its course. And with the exception of maybe the tree breaking through the soil for the first time, if you were to come back and revisit that tree growing on a daily basis, you would not see anything exciting. And you, you would probably not think it was growing because it's gonna be really hard to measure that growth. But if you drop that seed in the ground and you come back years later and you find that, that's powerful. And that is exactly what's happening with the gospel and how the gospel is transforming us and transforming the world is it feels very ordinary and there's a lot of days where we just wonder if it's even working. And it, it is. You don't have to wonder or worry. God says, my word will never return void. Anytime my word is going out, I am accomplishing my good will. And so we, a lot of us talk about wanting to always be finding purpose. And we're really tempted a lot of times to connect that to a career. And don't get me wrong, like, that's very important and there is a lot of purpose in that and God has called us and gifted us to go out into the world in all these different areas and do his work and love the world by creating good things and by protecting people and healing people and all the various capacities in which that happens. Like that is all good and all purposeful. But if you put the feeling, the desire that you have for eternal purpose on your job, it will crush it and you will never be happy. If you do that and, and put your 
eternal weight of a desire to be purposeful and have meaning and purpose on your family relationships or any relationships, it will crush those relationships and you won't ever experience it. But the beautiful thing is that God's saying the most powerful thing that you or I could do to influence and change people and change the world is just to get this message in front of them by whatever means necessary. And that takes so many different forms. But I love that because it does not matter how old you are or how smart you are or how much money you have or what race or nationality you are or where you live. Anybody, anywhere, anytime can be doing the most purposeful, powerful thing in the world that any of us can do, which is getting this message of good news in front of everybody. And here's a few ways in which that happens. It's happening right now. This is just one way that it happens, and that's why we gather every week for worship, because God says, do this. I want you to hear the word. I want you to be taught the word. I want the word to be sung over you, and you sing it to each other, because that is a way that I'm getting this in you. It happens downstairs in Kidtown. Y'all, it's such a powerful place for gospel transformation. These little people that are being formed are coming every single week and hearing the truth of who they are and how God thinks about them and what life is about. And seeds are being sown right now that are gonna grow massive trees in their lives and that's so important. That's why we plant churches. That's why we're gonna plant this church a year from now is because we wanna see some empty seats and we wanna see some people wandering off the streets and some friends and neighbors and people that don't know Jesus to come with their friends and coworkers and neighbors to sit under this and hear this and hopefully come back and hear it again. That's why we have discipleship groups that we sit in homes together and discuss the word together because God is doing something powerful in that. He is changing us. He is transforming us. And I'll just say this, one more thing on that note. It doesn't always have to be this formal thing. It happens all the time in one-on-one relationships. And it can, have, it can take the form of, of you inviting somebody and saying, hey, do you want to just get together once a week and, and open the word together and talk about what we see there? Or if it's somebody who's not comfortable with that, like the word is in us, even when we're not quoting it verbatim from scripture. And so it's being with people who don't know Jesus. And until they're in a place where they're comfortable enough to come with you to a place like this or talk about it with you over coffee or whatever, It's just being attentive to them. It's loving them. It's asking good questions. It's listening to what they have to say. It's engaging with them where they are. That is another means of getting the word out there. That's preparing the soil for what God's going to do. God loves you and the world so much that when we ruined our bodies and our souls and creation with sin, that he didn't just wad it all up and throw it in the trash. That he immediately set to work this plan that had already been set for ages past to recreate everything in Jesus. And it will happen. It has already happened in a very real way. And he is inviting us to be a part of that with him. Father, I'm going to pray now and give you thanks for the things that we can't see yet, Lord. I thank you that 
you are bringing all of us to maturity and that you have already brought all of us to maturity. Lord, I thank you that we are moving toward a hope that we get to enjoy and experience forever that is already sure. Lord, I thank you for what you have done and what you will do with this word that you have brought to us this morning resonating in our hearts and our lives this week. I thank you for the conversations that you're gonna allow us to have with other people for your glory. Getting this message in front of the world that you've, this little corner of the world where you've put us. Father, I thank you for how you're gonna meet us now as we sing your word to each other and to you. And Lord, I thank you for your son by whom you have accomplished all of this, our precious savior, our powerful king, our wise king that is leading us to a beautiful place that's already prepared. Pray that in his name, Jesus, amen.